Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, finally. It's been a long week for me for some reason. I am really looking forward to the weekend. It is April 14th. That means tomorrow's kind of an important day. It's a tax deadline. I guess we get till Monday because of that. It's also my anniversary. The only way I could think of to make April 15th a good day. Since I've been self-employed my virtually my whole life, April 15th has always just sucked. I hate writing that check to the government every year. But it's part of being in business. The better you do, the bigger the check's going to be. Still hurts when you've got to do it. So I made April 15th a happy day. It is a free-for-all. I believe we've got uh, Joel and Henry. Oh, well, there they are. There. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm having some audio issues again. Let me check on a few things. I see we've got Henry and Joel there in the uh, in the system, but if nobody can hear me, huh? What is going on here? It's not making any sense. I should my audio should be fine. I don't see anything wrong. Uh, okay. Well, this is interesting. Um, you're hearing me on the live stream. I just found out, but. My call screener, Morgan, can't hear me. Let me try checking with uh, either one of Henry or Joel here and see if they can hear me. Because if they can hear me, then I think we'll be okay. Um, Henry, you there? Yeah. Oh, you you can hear me. Hey, Morgan, I think it might be your connection then. You might want to try dropping your call and redialing back in. Um, Morgan wasn't able to hear me, but I'm on the live stream. You can hear me. I'm going to bring Joel in. Joel, can you hear me? I can. We're good then. We're we're just going to roll with this. We'll. Uh, I think it might just be the call screener's connection. I, I'm I'm a little leery. Yesterday we had horrible internet problems all day long. I kept dropping out in the show. The rest of the day, our internet kept dropping constantly. We got up this morning, and it was dropped again. And I thought, oh, boy, here we go. But uh, I think we're good. I don't think it was me this time. So um, what's uh, – Joel, you'll be up first this week. What's new and exciting in your world? And, Henry, feel free to jump in and just talk over him anyway. <laughs> All right. Will do. Well, nothing a whole on a – my kind week. of took the week off. <laughs> uh, there's a good start. Yeah, I just I just got my truck up to uh, Jim Fowler's up at Michigan of the alignment. He's tweaking the alignment, changing the oil, just doing some some basic preventative maintenance stuff, getting it getting it ready to go back out on the road. It was, had done quite a few shows there right in a row and looking forward to getting back out running some freight. Good, good. Hey, I just thought of something. I was posting this morning, all the talk online right now with owner-operators, everybody is just totally freaked out. The rates have tanked. In just in the last week, they are dropping every day. The, the volumes are dropping. It's been pretty incredible. Um, you know, there's so many ways I want to go with this topic right now, but 
I was trying to help somebody. I actually have been trying to help a lot of owner operators online and it's kind of frustrating. They are screaming about how bad this is and how are they going to make it? And, and I'm offering to help for free. It's not like I'm on there trying to sell my services or something. I'm just saying, Hey, look, show me your numbers. Maybe I'll be able to help you out with some ideas. You know what the problem is, right? They don't have any numbers. I even asked, do you have a P&L? Yeah. Okay, show it to me. Maybe I'll help you. Oh, I just checked. My accountant hasn't updated it this year. Uh, this year? I, you told oh. me. So oh. here's the thing. There is no accountant, and there is no P&L that needs updated. There's never, There never has been one. That's the problem here. The other thing I'm a little shocked at. Mm-hmm. There was a small, fairly small trucking company went out of business, and it was one of those things. The drivers were all sitting around waiting for something and couldn't get their fuel cards turned on and couldn't get paid. And then the next thing they know, the company, the phones are off and nobody's answering. And and one of the drivers is now posting, and I've been kind of following this all week. At first, he couldn't get home. I think one of the groups, one of the trucking groups that helps with this kind of thing, got him some money, got him a bus ticket or something. Now he's at home saying he's going to the shelter because he can't get another job. I, you know, I want to help people, but man, I, I don't know how to help somebody in a position. Like that. Right. How, how do you, how do you get to that point in an industry that has been booming for years? You know, the one thing I've said about being able to go drive a truck. In the worst case scenario, not only can you go get a job, you get a home, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you won't be homeless. I'd be fine living in a truck. Wouldn't bother me a bit. Yep. I, I would do that in a heartbeat before I would ever go live in a shelter. I hear you. Well, of course, you know the answer to this. We've got guys that during the good times, they didn't know what their numbers were. They're living paycheck to paycheck when things were good. And then as soon as there's a downturn, and, and yes, there has been a downturn. Um, is it the worst in history, like some not, people are saying at this point? No, no not yet. Right. I mean, rates have dropped, but they're not nope. you know, so horrifically bad that every single person is going to go out of business. Like now, some people would have you believe. Now, Joe, it is like, a little more challenging to operate, but let, it's, let you me can jump, definitely still make a go of it if you, if you have your shit together. Yeah, but, let me jump in there real quick, though. One of, one of the differences this time, and, and I can't believe they're dropping this fast either. But one of the differences this time, I will say, we're down, I think, um, Freight Waves is showing the truckload rate around the country spot market at $1.57. That's low, really is. The challenge now is go back and look at the last time we saw rates of $1.57 and look at what costs were back then. Fuel was cheap. Maintenance wasn't the problem it is now. Trucks weren't all overpriced. A lot of things have gotten a lot more expensive. And and you also have to figure that these guys that are running by the skin of their teeth are dealing with the same thing at home. Inflation at home is going to to be a problem for these guys and put them out of business quicker. I mean, it's one thing. If you can't pay the bills on the truck, you're not going to last long. If you can't pay the bills in the truck or at home, you've really got a problem. You're going to be out of there quick. This guy's already in a shelter. Uh, It's just just kind of insane. I agree with you, Joel. This should not be happening. This These numbers are bad, but they're not that bad. And it just happened. I mean, were you that close that one week put you under? 
And that, that seems to be what's going on. One of the reasons I um, started talking about this, Joel, I don't know why you got muted again. Let me bring you back. Um, Joel, do you have a truck in the fuel gauges system called Purple Haze One? Mm, I don't think it's Purple Haze One. I have to double check what what I got the name on it, but no, okay. I don't think it's Purple Haze One. Okay. I, I was just scrolling through this morning, and I, I was just trying to help people. Look, you got to start working on costs. And the immediate response almost from the group was, well, what are you going to do about cost? Fuel's through the roof. Everything's expensive. Well, <laughs> We've only been talking about this for 15 years. <laughs> <I know. laughs> exactly. What do you mean? What are you going to do about cost? Slow down. How about that? Let's just take the easy one. Slow down. I did the math today. A truck running 70. Hey, I even posted. I We used to have a thing on our site called the 54 mile an hour club. The last time fuel got really expensive, we had people driving 54. They decided they weren't going to go 55. They went 54 to save fuel. Mm-hmm. So I did the math today. At today's fuel price, average number of miles, a truck running 70 Slowing down to 55 would save almost $18,000 a year in fuel. So please don't tell me you can't control your cost. Right, right. And and you have to always kind of reiterate on that point is that fuel goes to the bottom line. The argument always is, well, I can make so much more revenue. Revenue is a top-line number, and this is where this is really starting to kick everybody in the ass. Exactly. Because people just don't seem to understand that fuel is a bottom-line number. Every single penny goes to the bottom line, where you can generate tons and tons of revenue, but you're only going to get a small percentage of that to the bottom line. So you have to understand that part of the equation. Let's take it one step further. The post this morning from FreightWaves was that the rate was $1.57 a mile, and they used a fleet number, which is, you know, this post was more towards fleets, Claiming that at that rate, the average fleet would lose $400 on that load. Now, that is probably true. Fleets have much higher overall cost than an owner-operator. They have employees. They have employee costs. They can't control their fuel and maintenance the way an owner-operator can. So the the thing that people need to understand, if fleets are losing money at those rates, owner-operators can't drive around losing money. They, they just can't. Fleets can. They can have one truck right. losing money today because they might have 10 making a little bit. But, the, the, right. the you know, when you're running freight at that rate, Hello? if your costs are so high – you just can't afford to pull that load, period, unless you're doing it to reset and there's another load waiting for you. Otherwise, I, I don't know how you make it. You, you have got to figure out how to get your cost under that number. Sure, absolutely. It's just, um, I, it, it's kind of shocking how fast it's happening this time. Um, I posted something else. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, Joel. Did you see this? Um, this roadmap that NACFI created for our alternative fuels and trucks? 
I, I just saw that yesterday, and I started reading it, but I didn't get all the way through it. <laughs> well, just looking at it, if this is our future, please let me off the train now. What a mess. What a disaster this thing is. It's this complicated flow chart with arrows pointing all over the place. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, you know, um, Mike Roth talks about the messy middle and and whatnot. It, right now, it seems like it's just all a mess. So now we, we have a, a downturn in the economy and things are getting really tight. And they're trying to push these ultra expensive trucks out there that, you know, they're running on electric. There's not places. <laughs> There's just problem after problem after problem stacked on top of this. And, you know, even in the best economic conditions, they would have a hell of a hard time, I think, rolling out this, this electric strategy and, and, uh, almost in this case, uh, a down economy might be the industry's friend. <laughs> It's the electric truck thing hey, goes. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Uh, it might, right? You know, it might tap the brakes on some of this stuff, and and uh, you know, give us more time to really figure it out instead of just pushing it out there and and making a mess of everything. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I, I did did see it, but I I didn't get all the way through the the article. Yeah, you know, we're we're um, seeing a lot of reports, like I said, companies going out, drivers not getting paid. Oh, here's another one. That that trucking company that stranded people. Here's the this is almost like the poster child for what you really have got to be careful of right now in this industry. Their drivers, turns out, were all being paid on a 1099. They weren't lease purchased, they weren't owner operators, it was all company equipment. Paying these guys on a 1099, they were claiming the average driver when they when the phones went off was owed about six thousand dollars. You can't let uh, companies you know, get into you like this. Yeah, I would too. You, you can't no. let these companies no. or brokers get that deep into you when when times are bad. You better be on top of collections, whether you're trying to collect your paycheck, collect from a broker, collect from a shipper. You know, when times are good and somebody misses you by a week, no big deal. You know, it it will show up next week or whatever. When times are bad, the first sign that you're not getting paid, you better have plan B. This is how you you take out an economy. One company goes out, owes everybody else a bunch of money, then they start to fall. It's just, it's a domino effect. Well, Kevin, when you looked at things when times were good, and I know we talked about this all the time, about look at these, look at these trucks that are out there for 300, $350,000, these big square trucks that get five miles a gallon. The guys were buying them. You know, when times were good, you could make that payment. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> For a little while. I'll, I'll go one step further. Don't you remember? It was just about a month or two ago. Times were not good. All the signs were there. And remember, I was posting every day that goofy truck dealer in Ohio bragging about, oh, look, here's a first-time right. owner-operator with yep. a big old square hood peaked, yep. and he just paid yep. $80,000 for it, and it has 800,000 miles on it. They, the times were not right. good, and they were still doing it. Here's the other thing I find crazy. Um, I just saw the numbers yesterday. In the last couple of months, we have not lost any capacity in the industry at all. It was about a net even. We still have a ton of new entries coming in. 
it, this yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wash out here. The bloodbath that you've always you know kind of alluded to. It's it's at our doorstep right now. The great mega call is coming. There yeah. there is no doubt. And in, in, you know the, the the first guys that are gonna go are the you know the the Billy Bob Big Riggers that you know when times were good. It's all about revenue, and you're an idiot to think about fuel mileage and. Just get a better rate, right? Just get a better rate. And that's all you have to do. Don't have to worry about your expenses. You just go get a better rate. You know what? When times are good, you can go get that better rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> don't don't worry about expenses. Just do what you want, how you want, when you want. Just get a better rate, and that's all you got to do. And uh, those will be the first guys out the door. And, and you know that the challenge with that is since about 2010, up until just now, it almost seemed like they were right. You know, when we're out there screaming, even though rates were crazy through the roof, we're, we're still out there stream, screaming about fuel economy and expenses. We kind of looked like the idiots. Year after year, they were doing just fine. Oh, look, I can screw the brokers. You look, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you look like an idiot if, you, if you'd never been in, if you hadn't been in the industry yeah, right. through a cycle before. Exactly. You look like a, you look like a complete fool. And most of these guys have never really been through a cycle. So, yeah, we look like complete idiots. Well, they're going to learn real fast now. There's just no doubt about it. It's, if you don't have your shit together on this, it can control expenses and understand what that means and understand the importance of fuel efficiency. You're going to have a very, very hard time making it through this one. Yep. It's going to be a tough one. Um, Henry, what have you got this morning? Did we lose Henry? It sounds like it. Oh, no. He got, I don't know what keeps happening with the calls. No, wait. Henry, I, I was, there I'm, you are. I'm in, hello? There, there uh, yeah, I'm here in my truck. I'm screaming. I'm trying to talk over Joel. I'm trying to talk over you. And I'm doing it. I Modern technology. Well, you know, I don't normally I, I don't normally have to say, hey, Joel, hey, Henry, cause we're, but I hadn't heard from you in a while, and I'm like, I wonder what the hell Henry's doing. And then I looked, and you were muted. So, so. Well, I must be doing something wrong all the time. That's all I can figure. I've been here screaming. I'm turning another 3,840-mile week. Yesterday, to make it to my point, I had to run 70, and I pulled off 12.1 miles of the gallon while doing it. So I must be doing something all together. Henry, you just need to find a better rate. That's, That's right. all. That's you just right. need to find a better oh, rate. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's the other thing I did wrong, because I haven't used a broker in years. The contract rate that last year might not have looked so good. Probably uh-huh. good to everybody now. <laughs> yep. Funny how that yep. works. I'm doing. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm doing that all together wrong, and I'll keep doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, Kevin. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Much like that thing I sent over about the Shell ad campaign against screwdriver. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, point. It, 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 we're, we're still there. Things we are. Change. Nope. You, you are right. But the hemline gets long, the hemline gets short. But, you know, everything stays the same. Pretty much. Yeah, the, this this cycle is no different. Although I keep saying it's different. It's different in a way. There's some unknowns we're not sure of. That's why we're, we're 
Kind of pessimistic about this one. I, I the signs are just not looking good. There's a, and the other problem right now is not just our our cycle in trucking or or cycle in the economy. We're used to that. That happens all the time. We've been through them. If you've been in the economy long enough, you've been through it. The the difference now is all the goofy stuff going on in the world. That's what's making me a little crazy. I, I think I'm going to have to take another week off the news. Uh, before I lose my mind, I spend so much time in the news anymore. It's just, um, it's not good for my mental health. How, how do you kill? Even that hasn't. No, it has. It has. I'm going to push back on that one. The world has changed somehow. Everything that was bad got significantly worse. It, and I just don't remember another time like that. How the hell do you kill 18,000 cows? <laughs> did did anybody has anybody seen what those cows were worth? By the way, what, how do we get? I heard about this. How do we get eighteen thousand cows in one barn? I, I can't imagine <laughs> what that hard, right? Like. And here's the other thing: they said they were bringing them in to milk them at the time. Wow, oh. this is quite an operation. I had no idea someplace <laughs> they were moving eight. 15,000 cows in and out of a barn during the day. I can't even get my head around that. But so we have an explosion. Yeah, we have an explosion. And my first question was, how does an explosion kill 18,000 cows? That would have to be nuclear. But it was the fire afterwards (laughs) that killed them. That had to smell like the world's biggest barbecue. 18,000 cows (laughs) all being cooked at the same time. Wow. Um, $36 million. Wow. Yeah. I would believe that, yeah. $36 million. When, when I say that, on that amount of food or livestock, however you want to put it, yep, that's happened before. Look look at the how many buffalo they killed off. <laughs> there you go. That was one shot at a time. Took us a little while. It wasn't a good thing, but, yeah, I, I get no. it. but. Uh, look, now now I understand what you're saying. I can then agree with you. This has happened before. I've been trying to, to tell people, if you want to know what we're going through right now, go look at the late 70s. We are heading into so stagflation again. It's even yeah. farther back than that. I've been studying all these ancient civilizations like the Sumerians and everything and what took oh, them that, out. That'll really scare you then. <laughs> it's always It's always the same. Yes, and we're there. Food and water. Yeah. Yeah, we're there. It's pretty pretty amazing. So so that's that's why I say the more things change, the more they stay the same. The sun comes up on the east, it goes down on the west. And well, the, the, one that, the one statement that I love, and you hear this on the news all the time, you hear America's never been more divided than it is now. And I keep thinking, did they forget about the Civil War? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Who in the hell would make that statement? And these guys are, are pretty sharp people. And I'm thinking, yeah, we were a little bit more divided during the Civil War than we are right now. And Jesus, come on. That's a good point. Oh, we, right. we, we were that divided. So we were that divided during the Revolutionary War. Everybody thinks that well, sure. was on the same side yes. as that. No, you, no, you're exactly right. So things have actually been worse, <laughs> uh, quite a bit worse, actually, when you look at it in a historical context than 
you know, everybody's singing the blues, how bad everything is. And it, it's just, it's nonsense when you put it in a historical perspective. It, it really is. Everything that we're going through, we've been through before. And we all know everybody was for Vietnam, right? We were all in complete agreement with that, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, we've been divided before. Which isn't a reason just to lay back and say nothing's going to happen, but you know, knowing the history. Right, you know yeah. And, well, and, and part of what, you know, frustrates me now when I see truck drivers going to homeless shelters and losing their trucks and is that we've kind of been saying this since about 2017 this time, because that's when this cycle should have ended. You know, if we look historically, well, we should have seen that cycle start to end 2016, 2017. We started talking about it. I can't tell you how many times I've said this phrase since 2017. Cut cost, save cash, pay down debt. I've been saying it over and over and over and over. And here we are. You're right. It's not different. It it, it might be worse. It might be deeper. It might be longer, but it's the same thing we've dealt with many, many times since deregulation. So, so we're talking since 1980. And, and well, not even before that, there's a lot of operations that operate and they're about one tire away from going under. That's what I you mean. Know, it, it's, if a yeah. tire goes on them. It, yeah. Right. And, and that's in okay. good times. And I was trying to explain to people, if you are having any kind of a struggle in the last couple of years, you should get out now. You should either figure out how to run this business real quick and how to manage your own money, or you should just get out before it's too bad. You know, it, it's one thing to, to lose a-, a job as a driver and be able to maybe go get another job. It's an, it's totally different to own a truck and be put out of business. I don't think a lot of people understand that. When you lose a job, it happens in one day. The day before you had a job, you still had a paycheck. Now you go find another job, you'll probably be okay. When you are an owner-operator, it doesn't happen in one day. It, sometimes it happens over a year. You start to get behind. You borrow more money. You you start to use credit yeah. cards to buy fuel. You go finance your tires. You take a loan from your carrier to get your truck out of the shop. You get behind on your income taxes and you stop paying them for a year or two. Then when you finally go out of business, you're $60,000 in debt and you owe a bunch of taxes. That's a very different scenario. You're like the tidy bowl, man. You you swirl for quite a ways before you finally <laughs> there's a good the toilet. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what happens. I mean, that's how we refer to it. You know, they're swirling because you could see what's happening. They're 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 spinning around the toilet. They just haven't went down yet. And the the, the big difference here, though, Kevin, is you preach the gospel here because you have a perspective, a unique perspective, because you've been through the ups and downs. I've been through it. Henry's been through it. Like we said, there are many, many that have not. So when you're preaching this stuff, they're laughing at you. It's going in one ear and out the other. This guy's crazy. This is easiest way in the world to make money. I'm going to go buy a boat. I'm going to go buy a Harley. I'm going to go buy a convertible. I'm going to remodel the house. I'm going to upgrade the truck. 
uh oh, uh oh, now what's happening? <laughs> you know, you're 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 just done. Uh, well, well, and there's there's no getting out of that. One of the posts, one of the people I was trying to help with, the post was something like, "Oh my God, this truck is trying to kill me. It's going to put me out of business. I had to replace a sensor, and one of my brakes was hung up, and I, I and like, I, oh, oh, and oh, and I had to buy a tire. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so. Remember back in the day when we had the old mechanical engines, which everybody believes they, they never break down, right? We were doing rods and mains at, at 200,000. We were changing oil at 10,000. We had bias fly tires that, you know, if two of them didn't blow out on a trip, it was a great, a great trip for you. So, and no, you're, you're exactly right. When you listen to that perspective that these people, they're completely clueless. They're just absolutely clueless. And, and that's why I think this is kind of needed. You know, the, the, the markets correct themselves. And, you know, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that are out there running around. They're actually driving rates down, even though they don't realize it. You know, they think they're making the big money and whatnot. And, it, you know, all this stuff, it, it catches them. And, and they need to go. You know what's really and, ironic you know, about what you just said? They're the ones they they're the ones always screaming at us that we drive rates down. That's the oh, funny right. Part if, of if you pay attention to expenses, if, if you actually oh, yeah. see like a business, you're the problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, right. you're the problem. Why won't you control expenses? We just need a better rate, you know? Hey, yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget Kevin. Years ago I was at a shipper. And I was directing, this guy was in there, and, and I was running to Florida with a flatbed. And you got a good rate going down to Florida. But at the time, I was getting a good rate out of Florida at a dollar forty a mile. Right. Yeah. At that time. Right. This was a long time ago. And, but, you know, I was going in for three fifty, and And this guy's there, he's talking to me where we're getting loaded. And he's trying to feel me out to see what I'm getting out of where I'm going. <laughs> right. And, and I wasn't going to tell him, right, because that was definitely my good good run. I said, well, I do pretty good out of Florida because that time you were lucky to get a dollar a mile and I was getting a dollar 40. I said, I get a dollar 40. Well, he says, I don't haul that cheap stuff out of Florida. I deadhead up the Jordan. He says, because I don't haul any freight for over a dollar 40 a mile. I'm hey, like, okay, hey, Henry, you. Henry, help but me out I'm, here. He never did over dollar forty. Help me out here because I went to school before they came up with this new math. Um, somehow, somehow, when I went to school, a dollar forty was a hundred and forty times more than zero. But there's some new math going on these days that I must not understand. Well, shortening up the story for the podcast. After we got done having the conversation, what I realized. He didn't haul for under a dollar forty, but he also didn't haul for over a dollar forty. And what I found out later <laughs> that I was hauling out of for three fifty a mile, he was doing for a dollar forty going down there. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, wow! Yeah, which made me want to just smack him silly. He yeah. was the one cutting rates, not me. Uh, that's that's the funny thing. It, forever they've screamed at me. Oh well, you're the reason rates are so low. Because every time I see somebody say, if the rate gets that low, just leave it on the dock. How do you think that's going to work? 
Now, look, I'm I'm fine with somebody that somebody that controls their expenses is going to take that load and make money doing it. And that's the way the free market works. And that's how it should work. And I am fine with the guy, you know, making that claim. I'll park my truck before I run for that rate. Okay, good. That's your choice. I mean, you're the business owner here. I'm just trying to warn you that if you think that strategy is going to work this time, you should just sell your truck now because it's going to get worse every day from now on. This is not going to get better for a while. There's nothing wrong with leaving it on the dock either. They're, they're no, that's great. fine. Go ahead. I've right. already, right. I, I, I've already hurt. But it, it, it's different to leave it on the dock because because you know your numbers, you know that that doesn't work under any scenario. It's another to, to see. Anytime somebody tells me I don't pull for under X. That's a problem because you're just talking across the board. Well, sure, I might not pull for well, that in, yeah. in when I'm in this city or this lane, but there are other times where, oh, hell yes, I'll grab that rate in a heartbeat, get me back into a better lane. So when I hear somebody with well, that yeah, absolute number, I won't pull freight for under X. Oh, really? What if it's only three pallets? You know, they don't even, there's no nuance. They're just so dead set. I'm not pulling freight at that rate. All right. Same people that I think when I get into a conversation with them that they're always at 80,000 pounds, too. <laughs> right, right, always, always. Yes. Every load that is shipped is 80,000. And if it's not, you're not a real trucker. I'll just have you know that right up front. You're just... You're just some half-assed reject that doesn't know how to drive a truck and yeah. and don't have an automatic in that truck either. Right? It, it all it all kind of fits the same mindset. Oh, you know what? Being a, a fake truck driver, I've I've been a fake driver since I started in '83, and I think I'll continue. Yeah, there you go. Here, here's another. Yeah, me too. There you go. Another yeah. statement I saw this week that I thought was pretty interesting. In fact, when I first read it, I wasn't even sure how to respond to it. You know, we've been talking about fuel economy for decades, and and you always get that, oh, that stuff's all snake oil. Oh, that doesn't work. My answer to them is, wait a minute. If nothing works around fuel economy, then every truck on the road would get the exact same fuel economy. The exact same fuel economy. You got it. So things matter. And I saw a statement that I've never seen before, and I didn't know how to respond to it. We were talking about fuel costs, and somebody said, oh, there's no way to control your fuel cost. And then somebody actually posted, they said, I don't know what you're so worried about this fuel cost stuff for. It's easy to get nine plus miles to the gallon. I'm do And this is a company driver. I'm doing it. All you have to do is drive a plastic truck slow. <laughs> I didn't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> what truck? Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, where did that? And I hear Tupperware truck all the time too. Where did that, where did that come from? Because what truck is not plastic? I, I know. I know. Well, it's, hey, it's, listen, 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 listen. So what if it's plastic? At least it's on the road making money rather than that big old box sitting in the driveway. You know, put you in the bankruptcy court. All right. It, you got to go back to get a metal truck. You know, I, I love metal trucks. No, I, they weren't fun. At, I, at first, when I saw that, I wanted to scream, no, you're wrong. It's not that easy. You have to work really hard to get nine miles to the gallon. And then it dawned on me. He's actually right. 
It's easier now to get nine miles to the gallon than it's ever been. You can buy a truck right off the lot, drive it away, and get nine miles to the gallon today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got an example here out of Volvo Master. So I I got this one guy that done a long-term demo, and he apparently has been watching what I do. I don't want to say he's following because he got everything wrong on this demo truck. So he had a, it was a two, two, eight rear axle ratio, right? And he's like, Oh man, it's, it's a two, two, eight, but it was a direct drive. Um, and he wants to run plus 70 mile an hour, pulling a step deck all over the Western United States. And the truck has zero miles on it. And he's, you know, really complaining. Oh, it didn't do anywhere near as what you, what your truck done. It was a VGT, not a TC. I mean, nothing on that spec was right. Details absolutely matter. So then I had another guy essentially done the same thing. He got the spec right, and he's at ten point one right out of the gate. So details matter, regardless if it's a plastic truck or not. Yeah. You you have to have the specs right, and you have to operate that truck correctly. Um, the guy with the 228 direct, you know, if he would have run around it, you know, 58 to 63 mile an hour, he would have done very well, but he's trying to run 75 with a truck that's geared to run 65 and, you know, it's not broken and the weather out West was horrific. And there's, there's a whole lot that goes into that, but details absolutely matter regardless if it's a real truck or a plastic truck, um, if you don't have the spec right and you don't operate within the specs operating range, you're going to have increased maintenance costs and increased fuel costs. That's just the way it's going to be. Yep. You know, so you, details you, matter. You have to well, understand this stuff. Let me give you another example. I just you're posted something this morning and I, I made the statement words matter. Now, this article came from a trucking publication. If it came from the mainstream media, I would have ignored it. Came from the trucking publication, and it bothers me when they do stuff like this. A lot of people are going to go, "Oh my God, that's not a big deal." Words matter. the The title of the article was "Tire Comes Off of Semi Truck and Kills Person in a Car." No, it didn't. The tire did not come off the truck and kill somebody in a car. The wheel assembly came off. There's a big difference. Words matter. Tires don't come off of trucks and kill people. I guess it could. I've seen rubber flying around that, but it's wheel assemblies that do that. And it matters because you've got drivers out there that don't understand this and they think, oh, well, he got a flat tire. What are you going to do about that? No, he didn't have a flat tire. The whole damn wheel assembly came off. No, I think you're right. If it is a trucking specific publication, they should have the details of the story, right? Um, regular newspaper okay like you i get it but uh yeah a trucking specific publication should have the details correct not only that why in the world would anybody be uh, i saw a truck yesterday just running down the road with a flat tire why would you Uh be driving a truck oh wait out a tire monitor wait a minute you would not one (laughs) of the one of the worst arguments i've ever been in over stuff like this is when i go on the air and i rant about drivers who are going to limp 
into a tire shop somewhere. And it was always because I was talking about wide singles. Oh, my God, what the hell are you going to do when you get a flat tire? I'm going to do exactly what you should do, no matter how many DM tires you have on the truck. You pull over at the safest place possible and you call a service truck to come out and bring you a tire. That's what you do. You're 100% spot on. I'm doing it wrong. I'm, I'm doing it wrong again. I, oh, you carry one with you. Plug, <laughs> plug in it. No, right. no, I, I, I plug in the tire. Well, there you go. There right. The the Fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I really am. Or I've seen guys who change their own damn tires on the side of the road. Excellent. But don't be driving down the road, limping along, half in the lane, half on the shoulder at 35 miles an hour with rubber flying around and tell me that's safe. You know, the same guy that'll tell you that will tell you it's not safe to drive 55 with a truck that has all of us. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love it. it. Hey, you know, I forgot this is actually a a call-in talk show. We have a bunch of we have a bunch of callers that have been waiting. Well, we all called in. I, I know. We, we called uh, in. We're going to get to some phone calls here. We're going to start in California. Mike, welcome to the program. Hi, morning, Kevin. 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 A rocky kind of when I went home and in Florida and looked at it, I got really excited about that new technology. Um, but I was curious with that better. That's our current rate going. Four two forty seven nines. What you recommend? Another eight thousand pound load. Repeat part of that background noise. You know what, Henry? Hold on a second, Mike. I'm going to put you back into the queue. You've got a weird, I don't know if you're on a headset. We need to try something different because I couldn't understand you either. I was hoping maybe somebody else caught enough of it to answer it. So, uh, Morgan, if you could check with Mike and see if we can get that figured out. We'll go to Mississippi. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. Do I sound okay? You sound good. What's on your mind today? You do, but... but Wait, wait a sec! Wait a second. Here, here's another guy that does it all wrong. <laughs> no, 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 I've only owned Peterbilt and Kenworth in my career, so I, I know everything. Yeah, Matt doesn't drive oh, those damn okay. plastic trucks. <laughs> that's that's right. I, <laughs> hey, I don't drive a plastic truck. I proudly drive what I have heard. But the term of mine is a Tupperware truck. There you Tupperware's go. Tupperware. I, yeah, I understand Tupperware's about ready to go out of business, finally, after all these decades. Oh, no. Yeah, I think they're in trouble. Yeah. Well, and if we're talking about the actual body of a truck, most of them are fiberglass, not plastic. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I... I exactly. I, except, for my, right. except for my Volvo. Except for my Volvo, that's yeah, high-strength steel. High-strength steel? <laughs> my plastic truck that's made out of, that, has, that has more steel than any other truck on the market. My plastic truck, there you go. That, that's pretty incredible. Uh, I'm aircraft-grade aluminum pot. There you go. You guys have nothing. Nicholas Cab was going to be carbon fiber. 
<laughs> that's why it's was seven, that's that, the key word. That's why it's seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Yeah. For some reason, I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, yeah. Don't hold your breath. People that do buy them, I want to. I want to see their profit and loss too. Exactly. When we talk about cost per mile, you know. Hey, hey. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of that, I watched the energy secretary. Um, what's her name? Granholm. I watched her in an interview yesterday. Mm-hmm. And she sat there and just lied with such a big smile on her face. And I thought, you, I, I wanted to drop a whole bunch of F-bombs. <laughs> I was going to say easy. <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm, I'm holding back here. She, on, on camera, said electric vehicles are so much cheaper to operate. And she was excited about it. That's bullshit. It show me the numbers. Come on, show me one number, one anything that makes you believe that these are going to be cheaper. Because I haven't seen the numbers. I don't think anybody knows the numbers. No, I had a conversation not long ago with somebody that I respect, but I wasn't being, I guess, pro electric truck enough. And and the thing they said to me was. Well, don't you want clean air? Yeah, I want clean air. <laughs> I do too. But I'll tell you how bad they've screwed up this whole electric thing. In the last four or five years that we've been talking about electric, haven't I been pretty pro-electric? Probably more than almost anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, they've done it to me. I, I was really going to buy, I almost bought an electric vehicle the last time I bought a car, and I said, I'm going to wait one more. My next car will be electric. I have changed that now. My le- my next truck will be a diesel dually. That will be my next personal vehicle. <laughs> Screw their electric cars. They have just totally lost me on this one. Oh, shit. Well, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to take my diesel dually and I'm going to put my smart car in the bed delete as, it. as a backup. <laughs> oh, yes, and I'll delete it at the same time. It make it, delete the dually and all your, all your smart car. Yeah, I'm going to make that dually 700 horsepower and delete it, and then I'm going to put my smart car in as a spare. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Headlines tomorrow. Kevin goes to jail. Find five hundred thousand. <laughs> so follow up from Monday, Kevin, talking about Tesla. Oh wait a minute! I have one more idea. I, I have one more idea. I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna go to a truck stop and I'm gonna steal somebody's Yanmar generator diesel off their truck and I'm gonna put it in the car. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, they got kits that you can put a Hayabusa engine in. It's plenty easy. That's right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Elon, with naming the Tesla models, wanted to spell out sexy. <laughs> and he never did get the E models approved. Right. <laughs> so it is the Model 3 is what is supposed to be the Model E. It's just, a you know, the three. Oh, that's regime. right. That's right. I thought there was an E, but you're right. It ended up being the Model 3. That's, now yep. I get it. And I was oft, always wondering why they switched at that point to a number. But uh, you're right. Now I remember that. Yeah, it was Ford. Ford fought them for the, the E model. So yeah. 
it's strange how things happen, you know, that are out of our control. But uh, my first piece of advice is to you, Kevin. And I think uh, both Joel and Henry, you know, confirmed what I've been thinking. You do need to back away from the news because oh, yeah. all this bad shit happening. Yes, it's new, but it's still the same. You know, it's new articles and all that. And because the news is 24-7 and 150 channels, that's why it seems more overwhelming than in the past. Yeah, it and could be. When you walk away, because you've done this, you walk away for a weekend. Nothing changes. You come back on Monday. I know. And, you know, well, I know. Nothing changed. Yeah. It's, Do that um, for a month. You'll come back. It, nothing changed. No, you're right. I, I have to remember this, and I, I should remember the soap opera effect. Anybody ever watch soap operas? No, I guess not. I guess not. I have total <laughs> silence here. Nothing but crickets. When, um, we, all right. So since I've already stuck my foot in my mouth with this one, it was when I owned the gym. This was a long time ago. And during the day, I would open the gym in the morning. It wasn't always that busy. So sometimes I'd turn the TV on. This was back when we had three channels. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. And I would watch The Young and the Restless, and I got kind of hooked on it. The thing is, The Young and the Restless has been on the air like 60 years or something now. It's been around a long time. Most of these have. You can, <laughs> you can skip a decade and go back and start watching that show again. It's like you never missed anything. <laughs> so right, the news let me ask you a question. Of our lives. There you go. Kevin, when you had three channels, when you had three channels, did you have that little brown box with a big dial that you'd click over like five clicks and then your antenna would go click, 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 <laughs> click, and then move around to, to turn the channel? And no. I used that, to love that thing. Those, those were expensive. <laughs> or that thing and just watch it go. <laughs> those, that, those were too expensive for me. I had a giant structure made out of aluminum foil for my antenna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, we've done that. Coat hangers and aluminum exactly foil. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that that you, was my job to go out my sister's window on the roof and turn the end down. There, there you go. Now, now, here's the thing that sometime would happen. So your your dad's yelling at you from the family room as you're climbing out the window to adjust the antenna, and you grab it to move it, and he yells, that's perfect, don't move it. And when you let go, yeah, the picture is fuzzy again. And then you grab it, and he's like, yeah. well, just stand there and hold on to yeah. it, damn it. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> but, but See, this exactly. is why you never got to watch the news back then. Exactly. Well, it, it, and what's worse about that is you're young, but dad, but dad, there's a thunderstorm coming. <laughs> and, and that's a true story that happened once we were yeah. trying to see the weather for a horse show we were going to and literally there was a thunderstorm and i'm out on the roof holding this antenna <laughs> <laughs> what what could go wrong it worked for ben frank on his life i was just gonna say it that explains a lot henry that's right now we know <laughs> all right matt what else you got well <laughs> I should just move on because I'll waste more time. <laughs> I was going to talk about when the remote control came out and it's four foot cord that was still attached. <laughs> he still had to get up and walk to the remote just to change right. the channel. But All right. Since, since we're talking about it, the there was a, an original version of remote controls that had these big, like, mechanical buttons and it was actually, when you yeah. clicked the button, it was actually the sound of the button that changed the channel or the volume. 
That's how that particular remote worked. Well, I was into Hot Wheels at the time, and I my dad was furious because every time I would send a Hot Wheel car down the track, it would change the channel. <laughs> it was the noise of the car going down the track would actually change yep. the channel. <laughs> okay, Kevin, while you're going down that memory lane, and I still have one somewhere, clap on, clap off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That was a big one. <laughs> they still make them every Christmas. Clap on the clapper and a chia pet. Yep. Chia pet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's switch to business. Okay. <laughs> I got business on track here. Let's do that. Um. Hey, just you were so, talking just, about it. Just so everybody knows. I, I I do need to step away from the news for a while. I got to figure that out. I, I got to do something here. But I will also say that Fridays are kind of like my relief valve. So if, you know, Fridays, the shows get a little goofy. We we uh, sometimes keep the same caller on for 40 minutes and just ignore them the whole time. But that that's Fridays and it's my relief valve. So. Real quick, Kevin, here's how you step away from the news. You jump in the truck with Henry for a couple weeks, and then you jump in the truck with me for a couple weeks, and you learn all about the new trucks and the fuel efficiency, and it gets you up to date, and it gets you away from the news. That's an idea. That's an idea. You'd be a happy camper. I know. You you might be right. I might might have to take you up on that. Uh, That's exactly right. You can ride with me for a week. (laughs) That's right. In this little bitty cab of a T700 (laughs) where we're rubbing elbows (laughs) and realize how much better the new trucks are. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Oh, you know, speaking of which, um, since we were talking about that, um, you know, there's a lot of advice flying around in the trucking groups right now online because people are finally talking about expenses and how are we going to make it. and, And it's good. But be careful who who you listen to and who you take advice from. There's a lot of statements that people make without really thinking things through. And here's one that uh, Matt, I'm pretty sure you would disagree with. Um, Here's the statement that they make Buy modern trucks, older trucks won't survive. Ah, come on. That that's, that's just not good advice. That That's just repeating something you've heard and haven't put any thought into. Blank, blanket statements exactly. are not good yeah. to Exactly. Just because I drive an older truck and it works for my operation, I could succeed. I could go buy a spec on a brand new truck tomorrow. And you'd be fine. Yeah. Yep. It wouldn't affect my numbers a whole lot. Right. What little bit I'd save on fuel, I'd save more probably on maintenance, which which come close to covering the truck payment. So it'd be pretty close to a wash. But for some people, they don't belong in an older truck because, you know, you got to have the knowledge of maintaining it. You can't be 100% dependent on mechanics with older equipment. That is correct. I mean, even with newer trucks, you shouldn't either because you got to have enough knowledge to be able to troubleshoot some things on your own. And, and, and you left out one that you need. You need a work ethic. Well, to, to, to keep it maintained. 
Oh, well, oh, that, you know, that, you, you can't get into that. I'm, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm a society. Uh, so there's an update to this conversation because I couldn't allow that statement to just go unchallenged. And I said, you are completely wrong. It, it, no, you know, no tact here or anything. I'm just going to blast them right from the first word. You're completely wrong. We have lots of owner operators who are doing really well with two million mile trucks. And here, here's their response. So. Um, I guess I'll put some numbers together from um, from Matt and um, some of our other people with older trucks, Steve Crone. Here, here's here's his response. Well, good luck with that. I guess my point is automatic transmission plus automated braking, both are required, allows more opportunity to coast. I'm getting 8.3. I went company, so not exactly in your ballpark. I'm not even sure how to decipher that paragraph. Is he saying 8.3 isn't in my ballpark because it's too high? <laughs> That's hard to say. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's talking about. I can't post on the road with my manual transmission. I'm not understanding almost anything about this paragraph whatsoever. And when you talk about Steve Brown, it's wonderful what Steve's done. Oh, oh, hey. You know, Steve worked really hard to get that mileage. Absolutely. And I said that. I said, you've got to work really hard at this. But uh, I just thought about something. There's a clue in here. I went company. Oh, you were an owner-operator at some point. Let's talk about that story. <laughs> Why are you no longer an owner-operator? Oh, truck was three months old. It was too old. And <laughs> who knows? Ay, is right. You know, we're losing any capacity. You're, that's a good point. Own. Some are either keeping their truck and they're just leasing onto a carrier. Other ones are getting out of their truck, but they're going to drive a company truck. Right. So, yeah, we're not losing capacity at all. No, we're not yet. But I can see anyway. One of the things in regards to old truck versus new truck, and me and my brother sat down and we worked through this really, really hard um, several years ago. We, at one point, that's all we bought were old used trucks. And when you are very small and you can control the maintenance very tightly and you can really control the actions of your drivers in a fleet situation, you can make a case for used trucks. The problem is when you start to grow, recruiting becomes a huge problem. Maintenance becomes a huge problem with old trucks on the road when they break Mm -hmm. down um, trying to get service calls, road calls, and, and that type of stuff. Can you make an old truck work? Absolutely, 100%. Can you make a new truck work? Absolutely, 100%. It yes. is entirely dependent upon your operation, the individual's operation. Um, that is far more important than is this a new truck or is this an old truck? If I only want to go out and run 60,000 miles a year, I'm going to stay relatively local. You know, I don't want to go build a fleet and I don't want to go tear up the road. I'm going to go buy an old truck. Yeah. But that, that's what yeah. I would do personally. I would go buy an old truck. You know, if, if I just want to drive when I want to drive and, and I don't want to work full time driving, I go buy an old truck. If I want to build a fleet 
and I want to have a hundred trucks at some point, I go buy a new truck at that point. It starts to make sense. So it's entirely dependent upon your duty cycle. You know, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat and there is no right or wrong answer here. You cannot put that blanket statement out. Use trucks, new trucks don't make any sense or vice versa. You can't do that. It, it doesn't work that way. Absolutely. No, yeah. The truck is not what's important. It's the person making the decisions. I, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's yeah. your your ability to run a business is what it boils down to. And if you have that ability to run a business, you're going to make it work, old or new. Yeah. It's really not going to make a whole lot of difference. Well, and and the best people are the same thing. Every business does. Every good, successful business does. It and. It really is just a matter of looking at it as a business and making a decision which one makes more sense in your operation. You started to get into that, Joel, with the if it's local and we don't want to run a lot of miles, we have to lower our fixed cost. You know, we, we haven't even started to talk about fixed cost versus variable cost because we can't even get people to understand sure. their cost at all. But that's a big distinction that you have to make in trucking. The higher your fixed costs are, the more revenue you have to generate just to break even. Your break even point moves higher as your fixed costs move higher. You want to be able to work less mm -hmm. than lower your fixed cost. I, but we haven't even got to that. And that's still a really basic, simple idea. But we can't get there until we can get people to even understand that the their numbers are important. Well, which is the reason I called it. You, you, you're putting the odds in your favor, you know, and stepping outside of trucking on that. If you look at farmers, Amish make it with some pretty old equipment, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, they do. <laughs> but, but they got to work on it and, and they live a simpler life through it too. Right. Right. You know, then then there's the other person out there with a gazillion dollar John Deere or Case International out there pulling a who knows how many bottom plow, and they're making it too. You know, here's here's another response, and this is from somebody that I've fought with over the years. We have totally two totally different approaches to trucking, uh, and he's lots and lots of experience, years of experience. But um, here's his response to me, because I'm still trying to talk about cutting costs. You do realize that all of our costs are not going down. What is the average repair shop per hour in your area? Mine is over $200 an hour now. It's hard to find reliable, reputable, truthful, smaller shops now. His, his approach always seems to be, it's hard. It's hard. That's hard. I, I get it. If it was easy, everybody would do it, and you'd have to find something hard to go do so you could succeed. That's the point here. It is hard. That's why I end every show saying, do the hard work. Yes, shops might be $200 an hour. Yes, fuel might be expensive. Yes, trucks are expensive right now. But here's my point. Somebody is going to move the freight because without it, the country shuts down, and somebody's going to make money doing it. I want to be there helping the people make money. This attitude of, well, it's hard. Oh, all, all of our costs are up. Uh, of course they are, but they are for everybody. And somebody's going to figure out how to make money. And it's not going to people that, that are sitting at, whining about everything so hard. If you look at 
costs in transportation and trucking historically, they go up every year and they have. Right. That's, right. that's nothing new. You you don't buy a truck in 1970 for what you know what we were doing buying trucks today. Costs have went up and they go up every year. Things get more complex every year. Things get more complicated every year. That this is that's that's just business. Well, that that brings up a good point. For the, for the last ten years, those costs have been going up, and I didn't hear anybody whining about it. They were all bragging right. about their rate right. and the no. fact that they were laughing at the brokers. Right. And, and, right. Joel, and at the same time with what you're saying, there's a lot of things that changed that brought the cost down. When you look at how long a tire lasts today and figure it out this for is, a while. Yes. Yes. That's, when when yes. you look at you're not rolling <laughs> bearings in at 250 and overhauling an engine at 500,000. And the revenue the truck lost while it was down to do those things. Uh, you know, so, this this is an argument I had with motor oil. So Volvo's got this new spec, this VDS 5-spec motor oil. 5W30, full synthetic, and it has to meet a spec that they want, and there's something different in the recipe. I don't know what it is, but it's expensive. It's like $53 a gallon. And everybody loses their friggin' mind when it's $53 a gallon. But, but it will go significantly longer than other oils, and it'll get you about 2% better fuel efficiency. And when you do the math, it makes perfect sense to run it. It actually lowers your cost, even though that oil is initially more expensive. And, you know, all of the truck manufacturers are adopting these newer low viscosity lubes that tend to be more expensive, but there is an advantage to running them. It's fuel efficiency and it's extended drain intervals. Most of the guys out there, owner operators, don't believe in either. They could care less about fuel efficiency and they want to change their oil every 10,000 miles. So we've got a, a huge benefit to the industry that the majority of owner operators don't even realize. And to the environment when you get down to that. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, now, now you're a tree hugger along with a good business person. You got two strikes against you. So. <laughs> Driving a plastic truck. <laughs> That's right. You're not a operator. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You care. You you don't change oil every thousand miles, and if you get more than five miles a gallon, you're not a real owner operator. That's just the way. We need to start another page, Joel. The, the not real yeah. truckers page on Facebook. <laughs> I think that's a good I, idea. I think it's good. That's a good idea. That might even get we, me we, back to Facebook. That's not real. <laughs> Maybe we should do that. Hey, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's let's get the, yeah. the not real trucker right. page going. That might be fun. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, what else you got? <laughs> yeah, oh, I was actually distracted there while you guys were talking uh, <laughs> at the waste station. The truck in front of me got pulled around back, and I got the gold. There you go. <laughs> that that two million mile truck made it right through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, my fuel cost. For this week is forty four cents a mile. Nice and nice. That yeah, fuel's been going up. So exactly, <laughs> yeah, that's a good number today. Yep. The so you got three. You got my, three guys on here that have just exceptional fuel efficiency, and you know Henry's looking at pushing down eleven miles a gallon on his ninety day. Um, you know, uh, 
Matt, your your cost for fuel is ex- is exceptional, and you know I'm I'm doing some things out there that are are really really good in terms of fuel efficiency, and it, it does have a huge impact on the bottom line, and it does allow you to do some things that you know you just you otherwise couldn't do in business, and and just in terms of your home life, you know if you're getting six miles a gallon versus eleven, think about. I mean, if you have kids, just think about your kid. You would do it for your kids. Would think, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Here's one of the ways I've tried to approach it. I, I've tried to ask, you know, when I when I'm wor- trying to work with these people that are struggling right now, and and I really do want to help them. Instead of starting to talk right away about fuel economy, I'll, I'll just ask them: Would a thousand dollars a month save your operation right now? And everybody says, yes, a thousand dollars a month is a lot of money. And it is the difference between staying in business or going out of business a lot of times. So I'll just ask them the question, would a thousand dollars a month save your operation? Because they're going to say yes. And now you've got them locked in because all I do is say, look, if you slow down, here's what's going to happen. We can put a thousand dollars a month to your bottom line with that one strategy. That's it. That's all you would have to do. And, and yep. even on that, uh-huh. Kevin, don't put on horse blinders that you can't see stuff because sometimes there is the rev- like the run I'm on now. Correct, you, right? You, it, this it, run you can't slow down and make it. it. But but then we have to get into calculating numbers again, and they that's where it all falls apart. <laughs> yeah. So I try to keep it as simple <laughs> as I possibly can. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get them there, right? I met this one guy. It didn't matter what. Didn't matter what was ahead of him. 57 was it. Period. Period. Well, to me, that was just as. You, you know who else is bad about that is tankers. Well, I'm not putting side skirts on my truck because we need to haul more weight. And, and all they concentrate is putting another pound on, yeah, even right. though that pound more than it saved them. No, that's exactly right. Now, I will tell you, there was a time where I could and did say, this is as fast as my truck is going to go no matter what. And the reason I could say that is because I was on a dedicated run with a mileage contract. Going faster would never, yes, ever absolutely. be an advantage, ever. So why do it? No. Exactly. Yeah, I can tell you that. Having that calculator and figuring. That's, that's exactly that's, right. That's and right. Me doing, me doing irregular routes where Henry's on a dedicated route, I have to make that calculation after every drop yep. when I'm doing my furniture. Yep. Does it make sense for me to run this one faster? Sometimes it does. There are times, believe it or not, I'm running 80 mile an hour out west where it's legal. Yeah. Um, well, I know everybody likes to think I drive 54 mile an hour everywhere <laughs> I go, and I do when I can. When it makes sense. But uh, I'll... I will also run 80 mile an hour when it makes sense. And it does make sense from time to time. That's right. So exactly right, Henry. That's where I am on this run today, Joe, or this week, Joe. I'm I'm to my point where I I need to be. I have the cushion built up. Today, you'll be lucky to see me go above 65, and I'll be in a 75 zone. There you go. Hey, I just looked at the board, and we're we're, – we're buried in calls, so I'm going to start getting to some. Let's go to California. Mike, welcome. I sound better now? Uh, I think we can make this work. Try it. All right. Well, I just wanted to call in. Uh, about 50 weeks ago, 
all of you talked about the automated manual transmission, and the way Henry described in detail the logic behind it, how it operates, and how the driver can actually follow that logic, really impressed me that I'm actually not scoring him off anymore. Say that last part of the sentence again, please. I just, I'm, I'm no longer squaring off the automated manual transmission compared to a manual transmission. Uh -huh. Okay, oh, got okay, it. yeah, that's a good thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's a good thing. The way the model three was describing people how it operates, how the driver still in that loop of operating the transmission, well, let me make a simple statement, and, and once you understand this statement, I don't know why. Now, I will say one of the issues with the AMTs was a maintenance repair kind of issue. I had a horrible nightmare with uh, a Meritor transmission because they didn't support it anymore in this country. But th most of those problems have disappeared. I have not heard of a really oh, yeah. major automated transmission problem in a long time. So let, let's take a look at something. If I have a manual transmission, that's all I have is a manual transmission. If I have an automated manual, I have two transmissions. I can let it run automated or I can run it like a manual. I, I've got both options. I don't know how you could think that isn't a good thing. At the time, before I was at the time, I had my first reply on my bed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, in that attitude, is fairly common. Hey, hey, Mike, I, I hate to do it, but I am going to have to drop you. We, it's That line is just really, really hard to understand. I'm not sure what the... The problem was there. Um, yes, it is. I, it was. It was really hard for me. And then I know the listeners are are not understanding anything at that point. Um, let's go to Texas, Rusty. Welcome to the program. Hey guys, uh, I wanted to comment on the dairy that that blew up. Yeah, I actually haul feed to that dairy. Really? Yeah, and th those cows weren't just going in to be milked. That's the new trend now. Is they're they're putting twenty thousand cows in, in barns, and and they're never seeing the light of day. No way. And mm. and that oh. that's a small dairy. That's not a that's not a big one. There's there's dairies that are four times that big. Wow. Um, I had no idea. And I. Yeah, and like I say, I, I I don't live very far from there, and I don't I don't know anything about it that y'all haven't already said. I haven't looked into it all. Right. But when they started doing that here about five or six years ago, maybe ten years ago, um, I remember making the comment that that if their ventilation system went down, they had minutes and not oh, very I many minutes imagine. to get those cows out before they all suffocated without it, yeah. without an explosion or anything. Just the just the methane. So all of those. Uh, all of these dairies, they you know, they spend a ton of money on on generator systems for backup. But I can't believe that's the first time that's happened. Uh, I just that these 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 dairies are just I I, I, I don't know how they fit that many cows. I was they're, they're say, I, I just I, can't. I mean, I've been around it all the time, and I'm just amazed when I. I can't imagine the logistics of moving twenty thousand cows around. Oh, I sit in, they, there's one place where you have to sit in line, you, you wait for the cows to cross. And I sat there for 45 minutes one day, just, uh, and you know, the cows were passing 10 wide it, for right. 45 minutes walking wow. down this alley trying to get across there. But yeah, it, it, uh, it's, I, I think it's unsustainable and they're, it is. they're losing money. They're losing we, money. 
terribly right now. We're in such a drought. It's, a, it's scary what's going to happen to that industry. Um, well, that industry more, needs yeah. to disappear. That that just needs to go away. Complete. We have got to and move back to sustainable farming. Yeah, I agree completely. But here, here's the other thing. I know this isn't farming day, but I, like we're, I live in the Texas Panhandle. I mean, it's it's nothing but agriculture. Y'all right. know that's where all the cows are fattened. I mean, there's other places, but I'm in the heart of it. It hasn't rained enough to grow a crop around here in literally in in years. This I mean, I don't know really how wrong with that. <laughs> right. I don't know how sustainable agriculture works at any level when you don't get a rain. Like we got rain last August. We got eight inches in August. We haven't had a drop of rain since then. Wow. So, and wow. that happens frequently in our area. Right. And I'm I'm into this I'm into this Joel Salatin and and uh, the other fellow that uh, Brown. Yeah. I mean I really got into that. I'm and I'm trying it on my little operation. But when you don't get a single drop of rain for eight months, well, I mean, under that category of any, any anywhere that will grow a seed, this will work. Well, <laughs> here I guess I don't it don't work. But well, no that 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 is true. The windmill you, generators. They're, they're changing the global air currents with the wind generators. <laughs> yeah, they're blowing the wind away, the rain away. You know, I, I I'm gonna just lean. I, yeah, go ahead. I, I have to deal with that here with with my garden. We go ninety to a hundred and ten days every summer with no rain, none. Not not a drop. There's no way you would grow anything here in the summer unless you irrigate it. And you have to irrigate a lot. That, that's all there is to it. I mean, if I couldn't bring in water, I would not be able to do what I do. Meanwhile, yeah. back with the Sumerians. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right. Well, that's the other problem with these dairies is they are sucking the water up. Of course, they in, are in a place where the water, <laughs> where the water was already going away. So we got a lot of problems here, but it's been a good industry for to truck in for a lot of years. I hate to see it go, but I, I, I think something has got to happen. It, uh, it, it does for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, we we can't sustain this. I saw three uh, Nicola day cap calvovers last week. Between Dallas and Denver. Interesting. Okay. What's that the word? I don't. They're, they're, they're out there. They're never like driving them. They're always hauling them. <laughs> they're always hauling them. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll start to see more of them. And now I'm not even excited about it anymore. I'm I'm so over the whole damn EV thing. They've screwed it up so bad. Um, let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, howdy. Howdy. Uh, I got to correct you on your mass, Kevin, your old school mass. It didn't work. Okay. What's 140 times zero? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said hauling out of Florida for zero or hauling out of Florida for a dollar 40 was 140 times better. It is. Well, it's a dollar 40 better, but it, no, it's a dollar forty better. It's not a hundred forty times better. Sure, it is. One hundred forty times zero. No, zero. wait, wait, wait. We do everything in trucking as cents per mile. It is a hundred and forty times higher. 
It's 140 more cents than you were getting at zero. That's 140 times higher. Okay, I'll give you that one. Whatever. <laughs> it just depends on what, why you more than that because the other way it was costing you to leave. Now we're really going to c- confuse people, but you're correct. That's right. Uh, you were talking about fires earlier. Uh, yesterday on I-35 in uh, Oklahoma, <laughs> pop over the rise, and here's a state trooper backing up to pull a gator off the highway. And I thought, oh, somebody lost the tire. Good on the state trooper for moving it. So 15 miles up the road, who should I see you sitting on the side of the road now with two blown tires? <laughs> <laughs> because I guess he was trying to limp to the... Oh, make it into the city You're so right. I don't have to have a road call. Exactly. Well, now you need two tires. And two a road tires, call. Three taillights and a road call and a fender and a mud flap and a whole lot of other stuff. But And, and, and if you had to stay there, eventually the state trooper might have caught up with him <laughs> if he was pulling that cap or that thread off the road that you saw. I, so he might have had more than that. I was just about well, to say, I was just... I was just about to say, if karma is on her game, that trooper is going to catch up with him and give him a ticket on top of everything else. <laughs> well, at least he did put his triangles out, but, you know, he, he wasn't really energetic because when you put your triangles within 30 feet of the back of the trailer, So he was going, he was. When you went by, he was going out to get a second set that would have extended it past there. He was going to be extra safe. But there you go. You didn't stay around long enough to see that. Yeah, yeah, that must have been his clone sitting in the driver's seat. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Go at, driver. At the, at the end of March, I'm at just over 70 cents a mile for fuel in my classic brick, and I dare aerodynamic. So, but I'm at five point five miles a gallon which for my 90 day average in your segment is outstanding i try I just just talk to a guy that's running a newer what is it the vas the car hauler model and he's running yeah. d13 it is vgt i'll try and get the specs from him but he's averaging 7.1 on cars wow well i have a friend yeah. that lives in the he lives just north of Salt Lake, and he does mm-hmm. the western. He only does the western states: California, Oregon, Washington, mm-hmm. Nevada, and Utah, Idaho. And he's at about mm-hmm. six miles per gallon for the VGV mm-hmm. D13. So nice, uh, nice. But he he deals with a whole lot more mountains and hill country than I do. So that's right, where he lives. Right. Right. I'll try and get this guy's complete spec for you and shoot it over to you. I, I just, when he said that 7.1 and, and he's trustworthy on his numbers, I thought, damn, that is. That's incredible. Hey, Good. hey, Paul. Money in the bank. Paul, what's the average yes. number of miles for a car hauler? Roughly a year. Total miles for the year. Well, the first. Uh, well, some of us don't work as hard as others. So the company I'm leased to, I know there's guys, they do 150, they like Matt, 150, 160,000 a year. But the first six years I had this truck, I averaged 127 and a half. 2020, it went down to like 106, 
2021 was 111, but the loads were uglier. And then last year I was at 122. Got it. So I, I'm going to run but, some numbers yeah. and I'm going to be really conservative then based on, on what you just told me. I'm just going to use 100,000 miles. I'm running some math here. So let me finish this up. You guys go back to talking about what you were talking about. I'll be back in just a couple seconds with some numbers. Let me put a guess in. It's going to be about $24,000 a year. Probably. I know well, the company I'm leased to, we had a driver appreciation gathering a few weeks ago now. So I was asking a lot of them and say, oh, you, so what did you do last year? And some of them know they're gross, and some of them don't even know that. None of them know their net. None of them know their cost per mile on anything, whether it's fuel or tires or everything overall. Most of them don't know anything because most of them don't track anything. So, yeah, Kevin must be having a hard math problem. Uh, well, you don't want to get tripped up on that 140 times better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we just get a better rate sometimes. I think I missed Talking the about a better rate. That's what was taking me so long. Um, so I'm, I'm on these ugly loads this week, the cleanup, because the, it's the, it's the, the, the boats don't just keep coming one after the other. They bring a thousand and we get rid of them. But when you get to the end of it, the loads tend to get ugly. You know, the leftovers, ones and twos. So the load I did yesterday had seven deliveries on it. The load I'm going to load today, which I won't deliver till Monday, has got three deliveries. And then the next boat has six deliveries on it. Well, I told them, I ran the miles and worked it out. And it's like, yeah, I'm not doing it for that. And I'd, I told them, I'd worked out how much extra I wanted but I was pretty sure they weren't going to give me that. I worked out I wanted another 770, and it's like, they're probably not going to give me that. So I decided if they don't give me 500, they'll have to get someone else to do it. So they called me, oh, we can give you 500 extra on those two ugly loads. I said, I'll take it. So I picked up 500 bucks extra just by asking. So, yeah. Never hurts so, to ask, right? Well, you know, if I didn't ask, I wouldn't have got nothing. But, All right. Here, mm -hmm. here's you, said, you did 500 times better. Here's the number. Yeah. <laughs> here's the number. I don't know why this took me so long to figure out. I kept screwing something up. Um, the difference between a truck get, getting 4.5 miles to the gallon and a truck getting 7.1 miles to the gallon. We're not talking about driving any faster, or any slower. We're just talking about a truck that's getting a lot better fuel economy. Over $32,000. Wow. <laughs> that might make a difference in somebody's operation. You might be able to get by if you had an extra $32,000 this year. Yeah. I can believe because yeah. 2008 was when I slowed down. Because I, you know, I, I started listening to you in 2007, Kevin. And the thing that I, I disagreed with is like, what the hell this guy think you make more money if you slow down? He's full of shit. <laughs> That's what I honestly thought. Everybody well, did. They still do most of the time. Yeah. Well, 2008, I went back to New Zealand for a month. And while I was away, the fuel went up by a dollar a gallon. And it's like, holy crap. Yeah. So when I came back, I only had one more truck payment to make. And I thought, in 2008, it, it died. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try this slowing down. 
So I went from being a left lane guy, 75, because I used to go to the West Coast a lot, 75 mile an hour, you know, pre, pre-e-log. So it was two days to go to California from Texas. So, <laughs> um, so leave, leave on a Tuesday afternoon and deliver on a Thursday morning. And I was a left lane guy. And then I went from 75 to 60. And it's like, wow, this does actually work. And then I started tracking it. And I've been tracking it ever since. And it's hey. it's kept hey. me in business and it's made me money. Hey, so, Paul, that, that's so all. The, the that, other thing that. that Hold on. That that's all real interesting and everything, but but it's Friday. I, I'm on Fridays. I'm required to interrupt people saying something important and replace it with something totally off the wall and goofy. And it's time for that. Do you? I don't know how many people realize this. The richest man in the world. I mean, think about that. There's eight what eight billion people on the planet. Somebody has to be the richest, but that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yep. The richest man in the world has the sense of humor of a 12-year-old boy. He is hilarious that, to think that this is what goes through this guy's mind. He tweets all day long. That This is what he – I'm going to try to figure out how to say this so you get the, the right impact. So there is a French novelist, a person, and here's that person's name. Hopefully I don't screw this up too bad. Honor – Honor is his first name. Honor de Balzac. So that's the name of this French French <laughs> novelist, Honor de Balzant. So here, uh, Jesus, here, here we go. <laughs> here is he, here is Elon Musk's, Musk's tweet. So he actually has the sense of humor of somebody really intelligent who acts like a twelve-year-old boy. So here's his tweet: <laughs> You might respect the penis, but do you honor de Balzac? <laughs> that's the kind of stuff he tweets all day long it's pretty funny well <laughs> so after listening to yesterday's show the couple of callers after me or maybe right after me it appears i'm in people's heads already so. <laughs> yes yes you are living there rent free Five, five o'clock yesterday morning, I was sleeping, so I can guarantee it was not me. And I do not have a CB antenna. I haven't turned my CB on since August of 2021. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I, I haven't had a wreck either. So. Oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> oh, actually, it can't be. <laughs> no, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. I did actually have a wreck, but it was a BMW in my blind spot, and he didn't have a CB either. So. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I turned my CB off during the Reagan administration. <laughs> I was going to say, that's about what I turned mine off to. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, so doing it but, uh, again. I still have buying on this the way out. Show off. So Kevin, real quick here. So you just done the math on this, and it's thirty-two thousand dollars, right? Yeah. It's by slowing down. That's what you're saving in fuel. And you know, we've talked about this multiple times, but we need to really reinforce this with today's trucks, with the emissions engines. When we slow the truck down and the piston speed comes down with the road speed your chances of having that $32,000 emission problems really starts to diminish and go away as well. Another so it's, it's a double whammy. You could, you could absolutely say, and, 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 and this is 
my opinion, based on all the research we've done on this over the years, that 32 is actually $64,000 because it will reduce your maintenance cost on an emissions engine that much. You're not going to have the, the surprise, you know, $30,000 bill to replace a one box or whatever it may be. So, um, there's, a there's a double benefit to slowing down today with emissions trucks and it, it has a significant impact. And a lot of this is based on gearing. Now we got Henry out here running mm-hmm. 75 mile an hour. He is geared to run that fast. He can run higher road speeds with low piston speed. Yeah. Just like my truck will do the same thing. Most trucks are not geared that way yet. They should be, but they're not. And when you have that traditional gearing, um, running high speed will play hell with the emission system. It just will. Yep. There's no way around. Good you know, got to keep that in mind. Adding to what you're saying, these people with the thirty thousand dollar emissions problem, and 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 I helped a couple of people through a couple of through some situations where they had those scenarios, mm-hmm. and it should have never gotten to that level. On on both yes. cases, they ignored a lot of problems. And, and the one, the guy called me up. He says. These death pumps, are they unreliable? I said, first of all, it doesn't matter what manufacturer you have. They all have a whole set pump. It's a, the, everybody's, whether it's mm-hmm. Detroit Freightliner, I don't, everybody has the same pump. I said, and they're pretty darn reliable. He says, I've put five of them on this. And he kept going to a <laughs> shop. They, they'd put another one on, reset it. And this is over a fairly short period, like two-month period. And what was happening was, it was throwing a code that it wasn't getting enough depth. Well, the mechanic wasn't digging into it deep enough, but it was it couldn't pump enough depth because he had injectors that were overfueling that were putting too much fuel into the system that it couldn't pump enough depth. So he got a bunch of relief because they had misdiagnosed it and got a new one box and all that. Then he calls me up two months later. He says, this truck's going through like a gallon of oil every two days. And and I'm like, well, that's not normal. Oh, here what happened. It washed down the cylinder liners and wore out the engine because he ran it that way for so long, overfueling an engine. <laughs> right, right. So a lot of these, when you hear these $30,000 repair, there's a lot of other things that went, like it should have never went to that point. No, I agree. Um, a, preventative preventative one, maintenance one is even more more important on on a newer truck as long as well as we'll call it road speed management but in reality it's it's piston speed management and so your gearing is absolutely critical to the reliability of your truck if you want to run faster speeds and you know obviously volvo has the iTorque. henry you've got what you're doing out there with an overdrive package now and you know, we always used to think direct drive was the end-all, be-all because there were some small efficiency gains in the transmission. But if you want that versatility to be able to get out and run 75 or 80 mile an hour without bumping up against emission system problems, you have to be geared correctly. So, um, you know, managing speed, having the right spec, details matter. They just do. You cannot just buy a truck. It's a Freightliner. I'm going to get Henry Albert numbers. It doesn't work that way. You need to understand what the specs are, and you need to understand how to operate within the range of the specs that you have. And when you do that, you can get excellent fuel efficiency with just about any truck, but you're going to be limited in a whole lot of those trucks. Direct drive limits your top speed. Traditional gearing limits your top speed. 
So you really got to watch what you're doing and, and, you know, kind of embrace the new technologies that are out there. Hey, you know, there's this. And don't ignore problems, you know, like, like what Paul was just talking about with the guy with the two tires later on along the side of the road with the three triangles and 30 feet. Today, if you have a turbo steel go, don't try to drive that thing to the shop. <laughs> yeah. So have, have you guys heard this? this phrase i've been seeing this a lot lately it seems to be getting popular it's this thing where somebody will say tell me you voted for trump without telling me you voted for trump you seen that kind of so you have to say something that you would know that person voted for trump even though they didn't say it you know what i mean like i might say uh, my my mega hat collection needs a bigger room you know i didn't say i voted for trump but you're pretty positive if I make that statement. So I, I had one happen just now, Joel, and, and you'll get a kick out of this based on what you just said. So here's what I'm going to say to this person. Tell me you know nothing about heavy truck fuel economy without telling me you know nothing about heavy truck fuel economy. Here, here was their statement. I, I posted a specific truck to show what was possible in fuel economy in older trucks. And somebody made the statement, I never knew internationals got such good fuel economy. <laughs> you just love it. <laughs> you, you just gotta love it. Right? Uh, you know, we bump up against that stuff all the time. I know Henry deals with it. I deal with it. I bought a Volvo and I only got six and a half miles a gallon. Well, okay, just because it says Volvo doesn't guarantee you 10 miles a gallon, for Christ's sake. I know. It's hilarious. I love it. Uh, you know what my response to them is when, when, when 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 they when they call me with one of them that they got one and I got this Freightliner and they can't even get that fuel mileage. Says, what are you talking about? Joel even can do that in a Volvo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you want to see it back. It's just in fun. <laughs> one before last week. Yeah, I I talked. I fueled up in Oklahoma City. And I came down to Dallas and I topped it up because that's where the best discount was. And I was empty, but I got seven. I did have a tailwind. I got 7.25 miles per gallon. Well, that was at 63, I think, empty. But my next truck I built, which quite probably will be a Volvo, if I get it spec right, I want to be able to run maybe 68 or 70 when I'm empty and then go back down to 60, 62 when I'm loaded. So mm-hmm. I've come to the conclusion, you can't get good fuel economy when you got a cheap Wrangler backwards over the hood unless you go slower. It's <laughs> not going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly you know, right. A, Jeep, a Jeep Wrangler backwards, I bet you, is more aerodynamic than a Jeep Wrangler forward. <laughs> it <laughs> might be. It's about, well, it could be because when it's forward, you got two square services. When it's backwards, you just got one uh, big and then, over. So, and you know, uh, uh, it's probably there's some, I have a Jeep. It's probably better backwards than it is forward. I'd, I'd almost bet on it. I would bet oh. that a Jeep Wrangler backwards is more aerodynamic than a W9 forward. <laughs> 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 I know. I know. I'm going to catch a lot of shit. Oh yes, you are. 
A Jeep Wrangler Ford is probably about the same profile as the W900 Ford. Probably. I have a Jeep Wrangler, and and, and if you're doing 75 in it and you let off the throttle, it feels like you have to Jake, break God, yo. All right, good stuff. Let's go to Ohio. Kim, welcome to the pro. Oh, hold on one second here. I I hit, I managed to hit multiple buttons, and I put about six people on line all at once. Um, Kim in Ohio. Oh, and, and we can all talk over each other. Yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> hey, good afternoon, Kim here in Ohio. What's on your mind today? So my ninety my ninety six Freightliner FLD with the N fourteen is at Cummins uh, repair shop. They tell me for the low, low cost of uh, 55000 I can get a brand new. <laughs> wow. 14. There you well, go. I've been an owner today. Hey, hey. It's the first time that I've driven a Volvo ever in my life. That's a 2023, and I'm getting 10.1 and 1,800 miles so far. And uh, my nice. tractor only gets... I've been on a good day if I'm hauling light. I haul a Reaper, so it's not light product, and it's not really heavy. So, but Isn't it bothering well, you not being a real trucker while you're driving that? <laughs> well, I tell you, my left foot is very lonely and bored because there's no clutch. <laughs> and then I find my right hand kind of hanging off the seat because there's no 10 speed to hold on to. What do I do with that? <laughs> well, there still is. You don't, no, no. <laughs> we, we don't want to hey, talk about the break. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, to answer your question there, uh, let's go, Brandon. That's how you know I voted for. See, there you go. That's right. <laughs> on that. Yep. See, we all know those. That's right. So while well, I'm looking at truck paper, the amount of fuel that I'm going to save is going to be my truck payment. I've already got financing through our local credit union. And my truck payment is going to be right about eleven hundred bucks. You know what I'm looking at is either 2019 or 2020. Go ahead. Yeah, I I just wanted to jump here. There's always been the opportunity to do this, to to sit down and do some math and say, look, I could buy a new truck and it could essentially be free. It it won't change my bottom line much at all. My my fixed cost will go up. My variable cost will go down. You do the math, and, and there are times when you can say, I could be driving a new truck. It won't cost me a penny. And and the math really works. I was always hesitant to do it because trying to guarantee somebody they're going to get that fuel mileage number was really, really difficult. It's getting easier all the time. When we can send somebody in to buy a truck right off the lot and be pretty sure it's going to work, it, 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 it's getting to the point where this will be a valid calculation for a lot of people. Can you go buy a new truck and not change your bottom line much at all? Well, Kevin, I think the other aspect was when we had the first series of emissions engines, you could never really be sure you were going to drive down your maintenance costs either. At good point, we right. We have these surprise yep. emission system issues. Yep. We've really got a handle on that today. And if we're spec right and we're operating right, I'm real confident that you're not going to have these surprise emission system issues that out of the blue, there's a $30,000 check you're going to have to write to, to fix something. And you have to include your downtime and everything else on it. So I think 
that's always kind of been, you know, over the last several years, one of the prohibiting factors for a lot of people. They were like, hey, I just can't run the risk that I'm going to, I'm going to have this emission system issue. And uh, I, I think, especially, I think Volvo and Freightliner both have really got a good handle on this. I think uh, International has really got a good handle on it with a new one coming out. Um, so at, at least those three manufacturers, I think you can be pretty confident that uh, if you buy something newer, you're gonna not going to run the risk of having that huge check you're going to have to write. Hey, when I, Joel, when I'm looking at these, the technicians right? know how to fix them now. But to me, the technicians, a lot of that $30,000 repair stuff, shouldn't have been there was a lot of misdiagnosis going on at the beginning i had the earlier emission stuff and didn't have a lot of trouble with it i had a really good mechanic though oh. I, we were in the same boat very aggressive preventative maintenance we had three master mechanics in our own shop and so we avoided a lot of the problems that other people would go in for something relatively simple and it would take them three weeks to to diagnose the damn truck um, so I, I agree with you, Henry. Early on, if, if you had access to that special mechanic, you'd, you'd done very well. But uh, nowadays, I think we've really turned a corner on that. And, oh, and oh yeah. And get real good. Yep. What's the big difference between the 2019 and the 2020 on the, the Volvo, the TC engine? Well, just, What's the big switches? Well, the TC came out in 2018, and there is the first generation TC and the second generation. If you're going to get TC, you definitely want to make sure you get second generation. The reason being, it has a bigger turbo, higher compression ratio, uh, improved fuel injectors that went from four holes to seven. It has wave piston improvements. It has multiple improvements that help the um, operating range. So everybody likes to talk about sweet spot. Well, it's really a sweet range. The Gen 1 TC was fairly narrow, done exceptionally well if you kept it in that narrow range. The Gen 2 is about 30% wider, and with today's gearing, I mean, you have an exceptionally wide range of speeds that you can run and still be very efficient. So um, you want to definitely get as new as you can afford to get. So uh, you, you want so to go... So 2020 is Gen 2 or Gen 1? Uh, I'll have to find out for sure, but I think the switch over happened mid-2020, I think. Oh, okay. But and I, then I'm not going to truck paper I used to. Mm-hmm. And all these fleet trucks seem to either be 247 or 264. Is that so, is that going to make a lot of difference? 264 is great for a VGT. Um, you can okay. put a 264 on a TC, but you will not see a lot of fuel efficiency improvement because of the TC. It will pull stronger. It, it's not running low enough where it really starts to take advantage of the TC in terms of fuel efficiency. 247 overdrive with the TC is where things start to get better. Um, so you really have to make sure that that is an overdrive and not a direct drive when they say 247. Um, ATO on the I shift and not AT. That's the, the first three letters. It needs to be ATO. And um, okay, yeah, if you can find a TC at 247, even a Gen 1 247, if 
set the parameters up, it's going to do quite well. It's just not going to do as well as, you know, what we're, what we're dealing with today, but it'll still be very good. When you say set the parameters up, is that like taking it to Bruce's and getting, um, no, 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 um, no, no, no. Parameters are the operating parameters in the engine. A lot of it has to do with gear down protection, um, if, if you happen to get a six by two, it has to do with the parameters and the electronically controlled suspension. Um, so I, I don't know if they have the program so, to do it there. Um, but any Volvo dealer or anybody that has, um, uh, PTT can adjust parameters and, uh, that's just simply operating parameters. It has nothing to do with engine torque or horsepower. Hey, hey, Kim, and, and, parameters. and yeah. for a lot of other people, the difference here, when we say we're going to change parameters, that's something that virtually anybody with the correct reader can connect to the ECM and go in and, and check a box, change a setting. It's kind of it, it's it's there for the user to choose. The When we go into oh, programming, okay. we go beyond the parameters and we start writing custom code. That That's the difference there. Um, and I really don't oh, know. I, I don't know of many people writing much custom code on Volvos. And I, I'm not sure that it's necessary, which is kind of the nice thing. I, there was a company out of Australia that was doing it for a while. You could get some tunes. They're, they're just... There's not a lot of programming going on in the Volvo world, but again, it's not necessary. So most of the things that I have seen for Volvo specific, they are just simply making more horsepower at higher RPM. That is going exact opposite of what you're trying to do. You're right. trying to run the truck at lower RPM, lower piston speeds. And so the majority of custom tuning that I have seen for a Volvo makes absolutely no sense for the majority of on-highway applications. Simply taking your 455 to like a 555, if it was doing it at 900 RPM, okay, now we can talk, I guess. But the majority of them are simply doing it Instead of the engine falling off the horsepower curve at around 1,400, they're simply running it out to 17, 1,800, and that's where they're getting the extra horsepower from. So um, I, don't, I don't think I need extra horsepower. No, no. Typically, the truck that I'm in right now, no I'm real running, advantage. Right, I'm running 900 RPMs at 60 miles per hour. My N14 idles almost at 900 RPM. You know, I see your posts all the time and I'm like, oh, that's pretty amazing. But I'm in a rental truck and I'm feeling it, seeing it. I've only bought mm-hmm. 40 gallons of fuel all week long. Normally I'm buying fuel <laughs> out to New York and I'm buying fuel as soon as I cross back into Ohio. You know, so somebody's done their, their homework on this rental truck. It's, it's, uh, a lot of times they screw up rental trucks, but it sounds like somebody's got the spec right on this one. That, that's a, We need to give a yeah. shout out to <laughs> right. whoever yeah. spec this damn truck. Yeah. I, they they done all right, so that's cool. It must have been an accident, you know it, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Right. They well, checked the wrong box on the accident. When I rented that, rider truck it was a Freightliner, and i could not get any better than 7.6 7.8 I, 
I, and that was everywhere I went. So all it would do. I used to get new rental trucks constantly. I, I used to rent a lot of trucks because of my contract at FedEx. I had to. They'd get five miles to the gallon. I used to walk around the truck trying to figure out how they screwed it up so bad. So here's here's what happens, Kevin, on on rental trucks. Just really quick, and and maybe we've talked about this in the past. Well, I I just had to rent a truck, and it was a whole. Horribly spec truck in my mind, but for a rental truck, it was a 247 direct drive. What they have to pay attention to is they need a truck that can do anything. That thing may be pulling a low boy. It may be pulling a tanker. It may be pulling a van. So they can't get really specific. So they put these generic specs on them that can kind of do stuff well, but not really. Yeah. If you pay attention to the spec on the truck. Um, and, and my other driver, Alec, he was in the truck when he ran at 55, it would easily get 10 miles a gallon. But if you ran at 70, you know, it was worth about six and a half to seven miles a gallon. Yeah. So yeah which is great. Yeah. In the spec of the truck. Huge difference. Yep. So, so rental well, truck is, for the Mac Anthem, is the Mac mm-hmm. Anthem the same engine as the D13, except it's red. Uh, for the most part, that is correct. Okay. Because I do see, you know, like I said, I'm just looking at truck paper and I'm seeing, and they're comparable as far as all the specs look. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just the body style is a little bit different. It kind of, the Mac Anthem's Yep. I'd look to see what your exact specs on that truck are. But most likely to get a truck that performs the way that Joel's does or that mine does, you're most likely going to have to order it because a lot of the salespeople don't have the nerve to go that far out. It shouldn't be the edge, but on the edge as far as the spec, put a truck on the lot. Okay. Now, I know back in uh, before when I first started listening to Kevin, he would talk about other you know companies. Would I be wanting to look for like Maverick? You used to recommend buying a Maverick truck because they were really specced well. So if I'm looking at a fleet truck on the on the market. Who who do you think specs really well, really good trucks? Joel. Well, Joel, Joel does right your now, have any trucks for sale? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know <laughs> if he's got any for sale right at the moment. He's just so, we're so damn busy that he he's been holding on to them. I know he's been talking about it, but um, I'll, I'll ask him and, and I'll throw something out on Facebook if he does have anything for sale. But. Uh, Raider Express would be a decent one. Um, their trucks will be limited to speed. They are doing direct drive, but my understanding is they're doing 216 and 205 directs. Um, they do have a couple of overdrives that they're testing the iTorque spec out. The thing about what I have at the iTorque is it's so new. It really hasn't got out in the marketplace yet. Yeah. You're not going to see a lot of them. That'll change in a year or so. Because the take rate on them has just been nominal. People are ordering the damn things left and right. Um, so I, I think you'll start to see more of them. And we are starting to see dealers actually put them on the lot for um, stock trucks. I, I think they just like the idea of the 13 and 14 speed. I think that hits home with a lot of owner-operators that it's not a fleet truck because it has a 13 or 14 speed, which makes no real logical sense, but that's how they, I think they're looking at it yep. and there's a lot of interest in them. So, um, you know, you're, you'll see, you'll have more of a selection in a year, but obviously you got to do something before then. So 264, 247 overdrive, 
264 for the VGT, 247 for the TC. Uh, okay. I, 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 I noticed on the truck paper a lot of the dealers write on there, owner operator spec. I don't even know what that means. What's the owner operator spec? Uh, uh, I have no idea. No, see, I, that's <laughs> I go five to five. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would so, have being that I'm switching over to a Volvo, do I have to figure out a man bun? <laughs> wear your sandals get your adidas and get your man bun going and you'll be okay i gotta try to figure out how i can put my feet up on the windshield like some of these guys do. <laughs> yeah there you go uh, oh heel holder i'm sorry i'm sorry they, uh, volvo came out uh, with a new option hold, it's a heel holder that goes on the a pillar hold on hold on <laughs> I, I'm sorry. All three, all, all three of you are being canceled. This is a politically correct show. You could say that here. I would add. Hold on. I gotta. I gotta take. I gotta take a sip of this bush latte. <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean the the truck stop if the truck stop sells it, that means I can buy it, right? I'm just gonna sit here for ten hours. I'm good. There you go. Kevin, did your wife just say you spilled your bush? You just you just spilled your Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she said something about my butt light. <laughs> okay, I thought she said you spilled your Bud Light. Okay, I just wondered. <laughs> Yeah, I did spill it. Luckily, hey, thanks for the advice, you guys. I luckily, mean, I was able to move my cannabis before it got wet. There you go. <laughs> hey, look at your, this bud's for you. You're doing both, sir. <laughs> That's right. There you go. All right. We. Yeah, Henry's in the background now. Go ahead, Henry. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, on that on that list of trucks, I would add Nussbaum to that list, and yeah, a lot of Walmart trucks do pretty good. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, I've talked a lot about private fleets and how they really don't have to worry about their cost all that much in trucking because they don't run trucks to make money. They run trucks to move their own freight, and there's a, a savings there for them already. So a lot of times you don't really see private fleets focused, but Walmart had over the years done a hell of a job specking trucks to get good fuel economy, better than most trucking companies. And, and and our maintenance program seems to be pretty good because the people I know that have had them, it's not like they adopted somebody's nightmare that was right. minimally maintained. Right. All right. Let's grab another call. Let's go to Oklahoma. Lloyd, welcome to the program. Hi, gentlemen. I've got uh, two statements first. Uh, I prefer my president to have a mean tweet. <laughs> and... Uh, I know, I, I know. I drive a real truck because it's got a red oval on the hood. There you go. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that, is that, yeah. so can can we tell a trucking joke? Uh oh. <laughs> because it's gonna be it's gonna be a hurry. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason I heard they have that oval shape around where it says that word that you spoke of isn't isn't it a common practice to usually circle your mistakes? <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's a pickup that's with the blue oval. <laughs> oh, different oval. Got it. So, uh, I'm driving, and the reason I called today, I just took possession of a 23 
MX-13, EPA-23, 567P. Uh, I've got 20,000 miles on it so far, and we're doing 8.7 miles to the gallon. Uh, that's that's pencil. The dash says 8.9, so it's lying. Uh, I pull flatbed, LTL, generally 13 stops a day. Um, start out at 40,000 pounds, 35 to 40,000 pounds of freight, and of course that dwindles off throughout the day. So my question is, when I get empty and I'm coming back deadhead, uh, three about 300 miles generally. I mean, I go different routes every day, but uh, my question is, what is a good RPM for this this truck? Uh, oh, by the way, it's a 13-speed 308 rear end. Um, what engine was it? I missed that. Packard MX-13 EPA 23. So that is a yeah MX thirteen yeah yeah that's a thirteen speed manual I'm assuming yes yes okay all right all right so you're at point seven point seven three overdrive on that so I'll I'll tell you this number seventy miles an hour is thirteen fifty rpm okay well just some things to keep in mind I don't have the power and torque curve in front of me for that engine but here's Here's something to keep in mind. So when you are light or empty, um, overdrive typically becomes your friend because you can, obviously your horsepower demand is not as high and you can run lower RPM. And typically on today's modern transmissions, you can drop the RPM low enough and get enough reduction in mechanical drag in the engine that it outweighs the benefit of overdrive in the transmission. Now, with the old school manual you have in that, it no. may be a wash. So it, you you may not get get that um, get enough uh, um, uh, reduction in in direct drive in the in the old school because you're pumping a hell of a lot of oil in those old transmissions you've got a lot of rotating mass and you're pumping a lot of oil around in them and you know you have the back of that transmission that doesn't have a planetary set it has the uh the dual counter shaft in back and in front so you, you just have a lot of rotating mass you're pumping a lot of oil it's not the most efficient transmission in the world and it it becomes problematic at times uh, when you're trying to figure this out, exactly what you're trying to do. So it's going to be hit or miss. You're just going to have to go out and run it and see, okay, here's what it does in direct. Here's what it does in the second overdrive. And here's what it does. Okay. okay so that's kind of, that's kind of where I was, you know, I've listened to you guys talk about direct drive, direct drive, direct drive. And when I'm empty, my car, I'm 65 miles an hour, uh, 15, 18 pounds of boost at the max when i'm pulling just a slight grade I, i'm like this thing's this thing's not using that much fuel then i try it at 13th gear at 70 miles an hour and i spec this truck with the torque and boost gauge and it's the same and i'm going faster so i'm like well no but the, the fuel efficiency is <laughs> the same is, is that what you're saying even though you're going faster honestly I, you know i don't have a lot of time in this truck but I kind of feel like it's pretty close, which isn't making sense to me. Well, it, it, it does. Okay, if man. you're in overdrive, you're running at lower RPM, so your truck is making less horsepower because horsepower is 
four times uh, RPM divided by 5252. It's a mathematical equation. So the lower your cruise RPM, the less horsepower potential you have. So when that VGT turbo does spike, it, it's only going to go so far, and that's it. That's all the horsepower and all the fuel it's going to make. So you could very well, when you're empty at low power demand in overdrive, even though you're going faster, you could very well be getting better fuel efficiency in that particular instance. That that could absolutely okay. be the case. Okay. Awesome. Okay. That's what I was looking for because I'm like, wait a minute. I, okay. I understand my RPMs are lower, but I'm going faster. I'm still, still seem to be, by looking at the boost gauge and the torque gauge, I still seem to be, the engine still seems to be working about the same feel like I'm getting better fuel mileage because I've tested it. it, it, it it's pr probably working exactly the same in terms of torque and horsepower, but because you're in overdrive, your RPM's low, you have less mechanical drag or resistance in the engine. Mm -hmm. So the parasitic drag isn't, isn't affecting it. it, it it's lower in overdrive, and depending on how that mm -hmm. transmission is set up, you may or may not have an, an issue in the transmission itself in regards to drag. I, I'll be honest with you, since I've been on iShift, I haven't kept up with everything that they've done on the, on the manual transmission side. I mean, we haven't owned a new manual transmission in over a decade. So, you know, I, I know they've done some things there to help that issue that they've always had, but uh, to what degree? Not I'm much. not sure. It <laughs> sounds, sounds like, you know, maybe it's working in, in your favor a little bit. So, um, yeah, run, run that overdrive when you can. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Great. Thanks, guys. Uh, Henry, you got anything to add to that? I would agree with what he was saying, <laughs> except for they haven't I... changed that much. <laughs> Did we and it's funny with some of his new... Did we catch Henry <laughs> eating chicken wings during the show? Well, no, you, you, you caught me eating breakfast. <laughs> Take off and run through it. But the, the reality is, it's funny with these aerodynamic trucks getting right at your right spot, the speed doesn't affect them the same way as it had traditionally. Also, 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 in, in this regard, keep in mind when you are running it at that low RPM, when you watch your exhaust gas temperature, it should run at a higher level. And that is exactly what you want in a new yeah. emission engine. You do not want to yeah. cool that EGT off. And it's exactly the opposite of what we used to preach. Correct. You know, oh, we've got to cool it down. Cool. No, 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 no. You want that hot. When you cool it down, that's when you start to have emissions problems. So okay. you, should yeah. that's see, you, know, you should see a market increase in exhaust gas temperatures when you're running at that lower RPM. And if you're getting better fuel mileage doing it, now you're getting that, that double bang for your buck that I've been talking about. You're reducing your maintenance, you're improving your fuel efficiency. So I absolutely. Do you notice that? that? Yeah, that's a great nugget right there. Yep. It, it is. And it, 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 exactly it's what you want to do. so important. Yep. It's so important yeah. to get that right. Uh, one other thing. Back in quick, the past, just, they would have smacked your fingers for doing that. Right. 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 Yep. One other thing real quick. I know I've been on this call for a long time. There's other people to get to. This is not an aerodynamic truck. This is a 567. So it's hanging stacks in the air. Uh, mm -hmm. It's got the sloped hood, but it's got the, I'll call it the old school 379 headlights out in the wind too. Mm -hmm. 
So there's a lot. There's a lot of bad things. It's a 265 inch wheelbase, so it's a long wheelbase. And I'm, honestly, I I'm pretty impressed with this uh, this Packard engine for what it's doing. I mean, I know there's better out there, but I'm kind of impressed with it. Good, 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 right. good. There you and, go. You know, dri- driver skill will swing your fuel efficiency thirty percent. So you know, you're That's doing great. things right. Hey, I've got. Uh, we're gonna. It's good hearing from somebody in a Packard engine because you don't hear that much about the no. MX engine like you do the others. You don't. When I do hear about it, it's usually not good. So it's nice to get a positive call about one. Hey, here's a weird statistic. I I follow a guy on Twitter that's big into um, used cars. He does a ton of work with used car dealers. Um, he just posted a statistic. I'm, I'm just wondering about. There's so much weird stuff going on in our economy. Used car inventories are at their lowest level on record right now. Isn't that bizarre? Is it because it it seems too early? Now, six months from now, I could see that because people are going to start buying used cars, not new cars. They're going to get rid of their new cars and buy used cars Mm -hmm. because they're going to be hurting. Seems a little early that we have such low inventories in used cars right now. I mean, record low. That mm. seems bizarre. Yeah, it does. Huh. I'm going to see if I can figure out what would cause that. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Um, Joel, I got kind of a follow-up for you from last week. We were talking about the I- 96,000 gross and mm-hmm. – um, I, I'm all in on the whole six by two thing, especially because this particular gig, um, a lot of times we're just going out empty. Um, but, um, I believe your, what's your magic number there for gross combination? 25%. Um, mm-hmm. the math I'm doing, uh, with only having, you know, about 34,000 on, on the drives or, you know, one side of the drive. Um, with your adaptive loading, you're going to max out at like 20,000, right? And then it'll be just under only, that. So you, you'll have a very hard time meeting that 25% with a yeah, with the 6x2 at 96,000. It becomes extremely difficult to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that, is that more of an issue when you're on the, the higher you know, the loaded side or, or more so on the empty side? Well, now when you're empty, um, I mean, you'll be axle up. Yeah, you're axle up. And whenever you're axle up, you make that 34, unless you've got spread axle trailers with the, with the spread axles down, you're going to make that 25% of gross relatively easy. I mean, you should be at 32, 34% anytime you're axle up. Unless you have spread axle trailers, so you'll make it there. But when you're at 96, you're you're not going to make it, and you are going to see some accelerated tire wear in most instances. Unless you're running a lot of empty miles, that accelerated tire wear is going to outpace your fuel efficiency gain. So you're better off with a high efficiency six by four in that particular application when you get north of 80,000 pounds gross. Normally, if you're running a lot of empty miles and you're only running short with that, then okay, you can start to make the case for it. But yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't sure. see okay, I don't see that as if that's the worst thing that happens. That's 
not a big deal. You don't think I'd have any major traction issues? Uh, well, uh, in, in the winter, possibly, um, you know, if you're not making that 25%, every percentage you go under that, the harder it becomes to start on a flat surface that's slippery. It just does. And if you're down around, which I suspect you're going to be down around 15, 16%, uh, it ain't going to be pretty. I can tell you that. So, okay. Having driven one of the old style ones with just the tag where, and, and didn't have all that. I always say, do the math on that. How many days are you actually in snow out of the 365 day year? And on those days, if you're careful and take a few, few precautions, you're generally just fine. Right. Right. And, uh, that's the only six by two experience I have is driving one of them, you know, I actual front drives. Um, it was a JB hunt truck that, um, Fontaine converted. Mm-hmm. It was a test truck. And, uh, gotcha. you know, I mean, it was stuck in a snowbank for a week in the yard. Um, but, <laughs> um, it, it, it had its issues, but despite that, I, I loved it. I mean, that really made me a believer despite having the, the least optimal setup for a six by two, it was still impressive. You will, as a driver, your driver skill is going to be able to overcome certain things. And, you know, this percentage of gross is one of the things that it's just, it, it is what it is. It's math. And it is going to become more and more difficult. Now, you could put a set of Insta chains on it if you are in, in bad weather quite often. Um, that would be a, a huge help as far as traction, getting things started. You're still going to have faster tire wear though, because those chains will only help you during startup. Once you start accelerating through the gears and stuff, you know, you're going to, you're going to have some, some tire wear issues there. So you need to know that ahead of time. We'll see accelerated tire wear with a 96,000 pound growth load on a six by two. It's just but you're going to more than make up for it on the fuel mileage side of it. It d- d- depends how much you're loaded and and how much you're in the hills. I, I have seen some god awful tire wear on guys out in Colorado that ran six by twos that were pulling heavy, and I mean they were lucky to get fifty thousand miles out of a set of drives. I was, yeah, I, I was going to say our worst experience. Somebody and they they did it on purpose, knowing what the result was probably going to be, but they tried it anyway. Um, when we were putting trailer tires on that dead axle, which makes total sense, uh, the one guy decided he was going to try trailer tires on his drive axle too. Thirty thousand miles. Right, right. You just wipe them right off. Yep, thirty thousand miles. Just, they were just yeah. gone. So, yep, yep. And, and, and so a lot of on it, top of that, if you, if you put a driver in that doesn't care and oh, just hammer puts the throttle every time yeah. they take off, that <laughs> yeah. Because yep. a driver, why they can make 30% difference on your fuel mileage, can also make 30% difference in your tire life. At that point, oh, there's no doubt. you'd have to have a tire truck following you around. <laughs> so you just be aware of that. Um, myself personally, and I'm a huge 6x2 fan, anything over 80,000 pounds, I'm going high efficiency 6x4. Uh, that's just just my my personal feeling on it i think you're going to run into a lot fewer problems all that slippage that you're going to encounter is going to erase your fuel efficiency gains for the most part and you're going to have the to replace the tires on top of it um i just I, it's hard for me in my mind to make a case for it 
Uh, they do it in Europe, but they have different axle weight laws. They can run 34,000 pounds on a single axle over there so they can make it work. Uh, you know, we don't have that luxury over here, so it becomes becomes very difficult to make that work. Um, so I, I well, personally, I would go high-efficiency 6x4. Well, uh, did you, you mention anywhere in there what percentage of the time you're at that weight? Um, on this particular run, it would be 50%. But then my, my van work, um, that's, I'm, I'm usually 30,000 or much less for uh, the load weight. So uh, that changes the equation quite a bit. If it's something you're doing every once in a while versus all the time. Correct. Right. You could get away with it every once in a while. If, if, through the course of the year, if you're at 96,000 pounds less than 25% of the time, okay, I'd probably go roll with it. Um, and, you know, what's the adaptive load? If I could shift some of that weight forward, what, what uh, you know, from the, from the spread to the fifth wheel, um, is the adaptive loading going to throw a fit if you go over 40 or 30? Four thousand. No, it'll just it will just uh, go to a fifty fifty split if you if you overload the tandem. Okay. So there there won't be any weight weight biasing going on there um, if if you go over thirty four on it. it. Yeah, it can't. Well, I guess it could, right. but it would be bad. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you're gonna break things. It's, it's bad enough. It's overloaded, and that that just makes it worse. So yeah, there's a a default in there that says if I'm over 34, we're going to a 50-50 split to try to avoid damaging components. Got it. All right, we are going to grab the last call of the day. We're gonna go to Nebraska, Paul. You get the final word. Howdy. Just done it like the other Paul first. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to work on that accent. We we had you in seconds there. Well, I got nothing but time. Uh, just a quick question for Joel. Uh, once I get home here in an hour or so, I'm going to be installing my air tab. I remember hearing you talking about one time either putting them on the fairing or the rubber part of the fairing, which mm-hmm. is the best way to go on that. If you have the newer style fairing that is the harder plastic, personally, I would put them on that harder plastic uh, fairing. I know a couple of guys that have done it now. They've been running them for a while, and it's worked really well. If you've got the flexible, really flexible rubber, put them on the, the metal part of the fairing itself. I would agree with that. Okay. 20, 20, 60, so that's all, the, that's all I needed to hear there. Gotcha. And, uh, awesome. Well, thank you guys. You guys have a good weekend. All right. That was yep. easy. Right. I lied. I said he got the final word, but, uh, Henry Joel, I'll give you guys a chance to get the final word. Uh, final word. Well, I don't know. Final How word. about just that, that I enjoy driving my plastic truck around with the automated manual transmission. And if I'm not a real truck driver, so be it. There you go. I don't know. And go. Be, be, being we're going with fake terms, I enjoy driving my Tupperware truck with its <laughs> automatic transmission. There you go, with the, with the automatic. There you go. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, I guess I lied again because I always get the final word because it's my show. So um, close this out. It's been a good week. It's been a long week, but it's a good one. Um, we'll see you back here next week. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy always. 
do the hard work and master the journey.